from days of long ago. From uncharted regions of the universe comes a legend. Now make sure you say my name right. It's Latine. See, I talk about things other people are scared to talk about. What they're afraid to say. When I walk into the building, you know what they whisper to each other? This is Robert Latow from BlackSportsOnline.com, live from Super Bowl 53 in the ATL, Atlanta, Georgia. You're listening to the Ugly Truth Podcast, where I don't tell you the pretty lies. I tell you the ugly truth about what's going on in the world of sports, entertainment, and viral news. And you should feel special because I am foregoing a couple of parties this evening to do this podcast for you because there's a lot of things that we need to know the truth about. And also I'm washed and, you know, there's only so much partying you could do. And I've been doing this for almost 10 years at the Super Bowl. They're pretty much all the same. The only really saving grace is that there's open bars and free food. There's Wolfgang Puck at one of the parties the other night, the actual Wolfgang Puck. And I guess that wasn't a big deal because people was like, oh, he's saying the actual, like he wasn't going to be there. I just wouldn't expect Wolfgang Puck to be, you know, serving duck, pecaned duck at a media party. But he was there. I was impressed. Sue me. Whatever the case, I'm taking the, uh, the night off, even though it's already it's pretty late. Uh, I'm, I'm taking the night off. I, I went to a happy hour. Uh, you know, Roger Goodell's press conference, we had talked about that. Um, saw Deion Sanders 30 for 30. Uh, we might get into that. I mean, but you can watch it and see for yourself. It was pretty good. So the first thing we have to get into, of course, is this Clemson Tiger situation which I think is quite hilarious for various reasons. <laughs> for various reasons, I think it's quite hilarious that MAGA Clemson are very upset with me right now. Very, very upset in the social media streets. Yeah, so just give you a little backstory. And you have to remember, I do thousands of stories a year. Many of them are very similar to the story that I did about the Clemson Tigers, Trump, and the White House. Someone from the root reached out to a couple of the Clemson players, the black players, who informed them that many of the black players on the team decided that they didn't want to go to the White House because of Trump. A lot of those black players were either leaving or Seniors are very are standing within the team very strong. This anonymous player also said that the black players that did show up were younger players, players that would be fighting for playing time, and they were a little uneasy about telling no to Dabo because of their scholarship situation and or their playing time. Now, Let's address some journalism things with this because everybody thinks that they are journalists. And I always find it funny when people try to uh, attack my credibility, which we'll get to that in a second. 
I mean, frankly, I get it. You know, maybe they've never heard of me before. But I have a, you know, a journalism background. And I was the head of my journalism department in high school. I wrote for my college newspaper. I have a bachelor's degree in journalism, a master's degree in communication. I've broke stories. I do, I've done radio. I've done TV. I've done podcasts. I've done live. I've done interviews. I've done reports. I've done editorials. So there's not really much that I haven't done. I've covered multitude of sports. You name it, I probably covered it. I covered the rodeo once. Entertainment, I've covered it. TV, movies, hip-hop, music, R&B. Covered it all. Very blessed. But let's do a, let's do a little study in journalism. Because your boy Trump, first off, has everybody saying fake news, fake news, fake news, fake news, fake news. Okay. Fake news is just a phrase. It's like toxic masculinity. It's a phrase that you can just throw out. It doesn't make it necessarily true, but you can just throw it out there. First off, if you were going to say something was fake, fake news, it was totally made up, the site that you should have the issue with is the root, not BSO. I was minding my own business when I came across this article. Now, let's, let's just say, for instance, just hypothetically speaking, that the root made all of this up. Okay. Now, the root is a website that sometimes has good stuff, sometimes doesn't have good stuff. But we would have to believe that they did not speak to any Clemson players. The quotes were made up. Everything was made up in that. Now, who is to decide what sources are made up and real? The root is not the onion. It's an established website. Also, this particular story was not just aggregated on BSO. It wasn't like the root and BSO. If you Google news about the story, you'll see Yahoo Sports. You'll see Deadspin. You'll see the big lead. You'll see a whole bunch of different ones. That took these, a lot of local stuff, a lot of local websites and papers, took these quotes from the root and told the story. See, TV people, radio people speaking on this story. So, assuming that the root, which no one would know, me, Yahoo Sports, anyone, because we have to give them the benefit of the doubt that they're telling the truth, Spoke to the Clemson players, the three Clemson players. At that point, there was nothing fake about the news. They spoke to three players. Three players gave them quotes. They wrote their story. Other sites, including myself, wrote stories about the quotes. So there's no journalism thing that's been broken there. The second part, when people like to talk about journalism is they talk about headlines 
and they use stuff like clickbait and stuff like that, which we've talked about before. That really makes no sense. The headline is supposed to make you click the link. That's the goal. I've written many of headlines. The, the difference between my headlines and, say, Bossip, because sometimes we're put together in the same vein, is I don't call people names I, to, you know. And like I said, that's not, I'm not knocking them. That's, it works for what they do. It's very cool. They're funny. You know, the, you know, when they say, you know, blast to smithereens or whatever, it's, it's very good. They should be commended on that. They, it, it, it works for them. You know, because of what I do, that's not beneficial to me to call anybody names. What I do, and very effectively, I might add, is I take the information that is within the story and I turn that into a provocative headline. Once again, that's how journalism works. The mainstream media does this all the time in various ways to manipulate their audience. Now, that's what I find interesting about that because you can do it a lot of different ways. It just depends on who you are, what you're trying to get out, and what message are you trying to send. If Dabo Sweeney, which we'll get to in a second, had never made any type of controversial statements, probably would have softened the headline. Because there would be no reason for me to believe that Dabo was capable of some of the things that the players were worried about. But, as we know, Dabo has made some controversial statements. And therefore, the headline was what it was. Which was not inaccurate, according to the Clemson player. Not me. Not random. This is a player on the team that's been quoted, and you have to assume that the root is not telling a lie, because obviously to just fabricate three interviews with three people on the team would be unconscionable. The man said clearly that he talked to some Clemson players that went, and they were nervous about playing time and their scholarship. Made a point of saying that publicly, no one was pressured. Privately, this is how they felt. That was what was put in the headline. The story itself, if read, shows the quoted part from the Clemson player shows some of Dabo Sweeney's shady comments from the past. Points out that Donald Trump is a white supremacist. Points out that if you're rocking a MAGA hat, if you're MAGA, that's an issue. And ironically, and what was funny about the whole thing, points out right at the end that while I don't necessarily agree With the players who went, I definitely understand. 
They're 18, 19-year-old players. They love their coach. They're trying to make it to the NFL. This could be the only opportunity to maybe get their family in a better place. A lot's riding on them. And if that means, you know, walking around the White House for a couple of hours, not to make Dabo upset, totally get it. And I said that. That's what I thought was funny about everything. Because the article is not a bashing article. It's not bashing the players. It's actually being understandable. It also points out that Dabo is capable of this. Not based off of anything like just making it up. Based off his own comments in the past. Those comments is why I've said before, and I say it again, Dabo Sweeney's a very good coach, but I think he's fake. He's fraudulent, and he uses Christianity and his all shucks demeanor to hide some of his MAGA tendencies. Because if you look at the statements, which are on BSO, about Colin Kaepernick, it's not even a statement about Colin Kaepernick. It's the statement where he says people who protest or complain about things that are going on in this country should move to another country. That's straight out of the Trump handbook. That is straight out of the MAGA handbook. That is straight out of the racist handbook. Now, I'm not saying he's racist. I'm just saying the terminology and the verbiage is straight out of those handbooks. And the, well, race, you know, in his own way saying, you know, get over racism. Racism doesn't really exist because we had President Obama, because we had we got Michael Jordan on in the team because there's interracial relationships at church. Like, that's just extreme, being extremely naive, or you just don't want to see what's happening, or you know what's happening, you're trying to sugarcoat it. Whatever the case, very similar, I mean, in different ways. To Urban Meyer, which is why I thought it was funny when they would try to throw up Ohio State in my face. Like, seriously, I don't even particularly care for Urban Meyer. I've said plenty of times that I don't think Urban Meyer is a good person, but he was a great coach. And Ohio State was willing to sacrifice wins for morality. Now, if you ask anybody, any player from Ohio State, what they think about Urban Meyer, they think the world of them because they're in a bubble and part of being a coach in college is like being a father figure. So I have no doubt that Dabo Swinney cares a lot about his players, but it's, I always try to tell, I always tell this story and it's a short story, but, but it's a long story that I've made short. Like when I was young, when I was a teenager, I had a friend and he was Italian and, you know, we were good friends, and me and his family were good friends. They had me over for dinner and all of this stuff. And then one day we were watching the news, and they were talking about a break-in or something, a shooting or something, and it was a black person. And his dad was like, you know, F all of those N-words. They need to get the F out of here. With me sitting on the couch. And I was, you know, 15, 16 years old. I didn't know how to react to it. 
eventually I asked my friend, like, you know, what was that? And he looked at me dead in the eye and said, oh, you're not like those other N-words. And that's when early on I learned that white people can compartmentalize and separate black people. They separate us in like little sections. That's why they always say, oh, I got a white friend. I mean, I got a black friend. They see that black person as different than black people. So it wasn't, yeah, I'm not saying Dabo is racist, but he sees the kids that go to Clemson as different than he would see probably someone from the Black Lives Matter movement just randomly on campus. Not to say. So I thought that these things was interesting because, of course, the kids are going to come out and say that's not true and Dabo would never do that. Of course, there's, they're, they're, his, he's their coach. He's basically taken care of them for three, four years. They've won national championships together. Of course, they're going to protect them to the end. Same thing with Urban Meyer. Did you see any Ohio State players coming out and say, yeah, you know, that was wild that Urban Meyer just kind of let that wife beater be on the, on the staff. No, they're not going to say that. They're kids. They're not going to jeopardize their standing within the, you know, within the team. And I thought it was funny that, you know, MAGA Clemson all came after me, which tells me a couple of things. First off, it tells me I'm a bigger celebrity than I thought. They didn't come after the root. They didn't come after Yahoo Sports. They came after me. BSO. It's because my article did better than everybody else. So that's kind of a testament to me. I was flattering. But it's, you know, South Carolina, you know, come on, that's Trump country. So I, I find it interesting, you know, MAGA Clemson have a lot of love that, you know, you know how college football fans are. Fans in general, you win a couple of championships. You know, what did Trump say? I can go in the middle of what, Fifth Avenue, shoot somebody and get away with it, and they still vote for me. It's the same in college football. You saw those people out there marching for Urban Mike. And Dabo Sweeney can look, I can say, hey, Dabo, and he can say, what's up, nigger? And they would make an excuse for him. So that's not surprising to me. I mean, it's, it's interesting because, you know, I guarantee you that. They cheer for these black kids, and these black kids bring them joy in, in regards to championships and all that. But if any of those black kids was like, you know something, I want to kneel like Colin Kaepernick. These same people that are tweeting me would be calling them all type of N-words and all type of stuff, un-American, unpatriotic, kick them off the team. You know this, I know this, they know this. So that's why I thought the whole thing was funny. It's it's. It's not surprising. People come after me all the time. All the time is part of, I mean, I'm not saying I'm famous in the sense, but when you fight for your people and you fight against the majority, sometimes the majority has a crab mentality and they try to just gang up on you, all that five follower Twitter. And I should probably ignore it. Sometimes I engage in it just to show them how stupid they are. They think they're winning. I'm like, seriously? You really think, like, okay, maybe you got, like, the better of a tweet on me, which happens from time to time. Maybe you got a better tweet on me. But, like, seriously, I live in L.A. next to the ocean. I'm at the Super Bowl. 
you know, about that one article probably made your two weeks salary. Like, seriously, are you really think you're getting the better of this? Eh, but that's what they believe. But I'm not done telling the truth about what happened with this article. Now, I expect this type of idiocy from MAGA people. You look at literally every single ad that I've gotten. It's some ugly white guy, some husky white lady. That's probably never left the state of South Carolina. Oh, talking about conservatives, give us our guns, and MAGA. What I don't expect and what I won't tolerate is when a black man in my industry tries to tear me down because of a personal grudge. So this guy named Marcel from the Charlotte Observer, never heard of him before. Never read any of his work, doesn't know what he did. I guess he used to cover Clemson or something. He works for the Charlotte Observer. Marcel comes out the blue on the top rope. And let me tell you something about, you know, let me tell you something about people when they're tweeting you or specifically tweeting, because that's, that's more the, you know, we're direct line of communication. Like, you, you can't really, you know, on Instagram, you can leave a DM, you can, you know, you, you can leave a comment, but, you know, you, people maybe not see it. You know, Facebook, you know, maybe you can leave a message or something. But Twitter's where you do the kind of the direct interaction. You make sure all your people see it. So when someone doesn't at you directly, and when I say that, what they do is they put your at name in the middle or the end. You know, it's a couple of things are involved. First off, they want all of their followers to see it because if you just at someone, just Nine times out of ten, unless somebody's stalking your pages, you and the person are seeing it. So that's the first thing. Secondly, when they start listing stuff, they're really trying to get your attention. Because nine times out of ten, if you're really, you know, not paying attention to your timeline all the time, stuff gets, you know, thrown, you know, under the bus. You don't even see it. So if they do three, four tweets, it's to, it's to get your attention. So Marcel was trying to get my attention and he was trying to get my attention by, you know, criticizing the article. His criticism was that I, you know, took the, the what he liked to call the incendiary quote and, you know, made my article around that, which is true. It's not, it's not untrue. I took the quote that I thought was the most interesting and I wrote an article about it. Happens every day in journalism, like we talked about. That part, that part wasn't true. The part about I need to do better. First off, you're a kid, you're a young person. I've done quite well for myself without people telling me that are much younger than me, and nobody really knows outside of Charlotte or wherever you're at. Nobody really knows who you are. They ought to tell me to do better. And what I found interesting was from Marcel was there's a lot of little things that you can nitpick about BSL. And most of them, I won't get that 
upset about because the nitpicking is, you know, valid in some ways. You're like, you know, something, why so many IG model stories? Why so many baby daddy stories? The drama and all of that stuff. Well, I get it. I mean, that's understandable. You know, I, I can't get anybody to, to, to change their mind about stuff like that. If you like it or you don't, I, I don't really get into it with that. What I found interesting, though, was that the battle that he chose was an article that was for our people. And you can't say that the article itself was negative at all. Just point out some things about Trump, MAGA, Dabo, Swing. The quote was accurate. It was sourced. It was it literally says the root right at the beginning of the, the article. So at that point, I knew that it wasn't the article that he was upset about. It was something personal. And see, this is what happens a lot of times with black journalists. Just journalists in period, period, is they have some sort of personal beef and then they start attacking other things. Now, my thing with that, if you have personal beef with me, everybody knows this. I'm not hard to find. If you just want to talk about what your issue is, that's fine. You know, just talk about it like a man. Don't be beating around the bush and doing all your tweets and stuff like that. Let's talk about it. You just talk about it. What, what's your problem with me? Because I don't have a problem with you because I don't know you. I don't know what you do. Don't really particularly care. I don't knock any black person in journalist hustle because it's so very few of us. So I rarely have any negative thoughts toward any black journalist. Even the ones that I know are problematic. Just because I know how it can be twisted and turned. I don't speak about it often. I've done like what? I've done maybe one Whitlock story in six months. Only because the Colin Kaepernick, you know, fake fro and the Muslims, you know, stuff like, yeah, I mean, that was just a little much. But for the most part, it's leave them be. You don't bother me, I won't bother you. You know, for a while, Stephen A. Smith was saying some wild stuff. And I remember I saw Stephen A. at, I think it was the, maybe it was All-Star Game last year. And I talked to him about it. I'm like, you know something? I, first off, Stephen A. is a trendsetter. You know, he opened a lot of doors. And he works really, really hard. No one can deny that. And yeah, we poke fun of him for missing names and stuff like that and messing up names. But the man works extremely hard. It's not like he's cherry picking. His, his, he's earning his money. But I told him, and I specifically talked about that picture that he took with Sheriff Clark. That, you know, like, come on, man. Like, the perception sometimes, even if you, you're not really like that, you can't, you can't be saying this. You're Stephen A. Smith. And, you know, we disagreed and agreed with some things, but we talked it out man to man. And there's others out there that I know are problematic. But, you know, 
I normally keep it internal. So this Marcel gentleman, you know, he comes out and he says all of this stuff. So there are times where you have to let people know that you just can't speak to them in all these different ways. You got to put them in their place. And I don't know who is talking to them. Well, actually, I do. I get to that in a second. You know, but as I tried to explain to the young man, and, I, and it's funny because someone pointed out, they was like, oh, you know, why, you know, when he tweets, he has this many likes, and when you tweet, you have this many likes. And I, and you know, so I went and looked. I said, look at all of those likes. And I looked at all those profiles, and all I saw was MAGA this, build that wall, Trump, conservative. Lock her up. So all of this stuff, America first. To, you know, NRA. All of his likes. And I thought to myself and I told him, I said, I said, just look at who's co-signing. Look who's behind you. Look who is, is giving you likes. Who's agreeing with you? And he talked about, I don't need no co-sign or validation. He wasn't listening. But I found out later why, which I'll get into. But you gotta, you gotta look at who co-signing. You gotta look who, when you say stuff and you do stuff, you gotta look at the people that are patting you on the back. If they patting you on the back with a MAGA hat on, what you think they're gonna do to you really? What do you really think they think about you? They just like you because you're a black man trying to turn out another black man. And once again, I'm minding my business. I won't, normally I won't address, I, I address the MAGA people, but I'm like, you know something? You're filed for that. You're selling out. You're cooning. You're shucking and jobbing. And I found out later, and I don't know if this literally means that he's selling out or it's just a matter of the heart type of deal. <laughs> I don't know. It's whatever. But what I found out later is what someone told me that works in his, his company told me directly. They hit me up because, like I said, when people have issues with me, they, they, they hit me up directly. So someone from the Charlotte Observer hit me up and said, you know something, he's not a bad guy. He's a, you know, he's a, he's a good reporter. He's young and upcoming. He just doesn't like you. <laughs> so I was like, okay, um, that's fine. Like he could have just said that. He just said, he doesn't. I don't like you. I can respect that. But you don't have to like me. I'm like, that's fine. He could have just said he didn't like me. He didn't have to do all of the, the extra theatrics and stuff. And he's like, yeah, but the reason that he doesn't like you is because he's close to Jordan, <laughs> real close. And I'm like, Jordan? Jordan who? Michael Jordan? <laughs> like, what are you talking about? I'm, I'm thinking he's talking about the Hornets. He's like, no, Jordan, you know, the girl that you exposed for having, you know, some suspect racist tweets. Then it all started coming together. If you guys don't remember, I don't know, was this? This wasn't last year. It was like maybe two years ago, two, maybe a year and a half ago. It wasn't last football season. It was the season before that. Cam Newton jokingly told a, a Charlotte Observer reporter he thought it was you know funny that the that she was asking football related questions or X and O execution type of questions. 
it was inappropriate. You know, I don't. I think he, he didn't mean it, but you know, you can't say that. It's too, back then, it was 2017. It's just not the climate to 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 say that. And people, you know, rightfully called Cam out on that, myself included, at the time. And he apologized and all that good stuff. But what ended up happening was the young woman. Come to find out, she had some really suspect tweets in her past and retweets and and just some things about black people that just wasn't very cool. And I wasn't saying that that justified what Kevin said. I'm just saying, you know something, who are the, you know, who is getting these jobs that you can have kind of this stuff on your social media? Unlike the, the girl that was talking about Kyla Murray, Old girl got to keep her job. They made a brief statement, you know, to me about it, and then they hoped that it went away. Hope that nobody would remember. Come to find out, Marcel is, let's just say, close to Jordan, and because Jordan, you know, feelings were hurt, that you know I exposed her stuff. Marcel has a little, you know. A little anger toward. So maybe it's just a matter of the heart. I understand Marcel. Yeah, no. Somebody was coming after my girl, I'd probably be upset too. But then again, you know, my girl is not white and doing racist tweets, so I don't know. Probably wouldn't have a girl who did that. But I digress. Beyond that, I think, and I, I will talk to Marcel, man to man, so he can get it off his chest, whatever it is. And if I still deem after he gets it off his chest that he's a sellout, I'll call him one. If it's just, if I deem that he just doesn't like me personally, and, and I will point out that, you know, that's fine. Don't in your your anger toward me. Don't screw other people by screwing with my credibility and my name. Just take your angst out on me. Don't hurt the other people on BSO. I got more people reporting in Charlotte than you than you do. Relax. But I talk to him. I mean, it could just be he's protecting his white girl and you know whatever. That's it. That's fine. It's just that that's cool. Then you know, but if it's like a little deeper than that, and he's kind of you know, one of them, he's wit locking, then God tell him that. Maybe he liked to have the MAGA approval for those reasons. I mean, he did go to Arizona State, <laughs> and I'm not judging. I went to Ohio State, so you can't necessarily judge about where someone went to college. But you know, Arizona State protecting the white girl racist tweets, it kind of adds up. Furthermore, uh, there's a lot of jealousy in our industry. And particularly, I think there are people out there, well, I know that there's people out there that, and it's not just me, honestly. It could be anybody. I know people that are jealous of, you know, Barstool Sports or their popularity or jealous of, you know, 
Jason McIntyre, the big lead that he got a TV show on the website. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, there's a lot of jealousy out there. Uh, specifically, though, the jealousy that comes from others towards me and, and BSO is their fr- it's more frustration on their part. They're frustrated because they feel like they're traditional journalists. And they feel that, you know, we're kind of skirting the line of journalism. But even though we're skirting the line of journalism, we get to do all of the big journalist things. And I get that. I can get why you'd be jealous of that. You know, if you're just looking at it, if you, if you don't, if you're just looking at it in a vacuum, and maybe the only stuff you see is like, man, all I saw was, you know, Brandon Ingram side chick stories. All I saw was, you know, this and that. And now Rob's at the Super Bowl talking to Todd Gurley. I don't get it. I'm so mad. <laughs> so upset. I get that. It's, un- it's understandable. Like, I'm not a hater. So, like, I don't hate on, I don't care how people got their success, you know, more power to them. I mean, but, if, you know, you're a hater. I can, I mean, I, ain't nothing I can do about that. Nothing I can do about that. I don't have to justify my opportunities because I know the work that I put in to this day. To this day, little Dante Wilder for you. To this day, it's 8 a.m. to midnight, 1 a.m., you know, 1 a.m. And to this day, every day, seven days a week, 365. I'm doing this podcast. I don't know how many people listen to this podcast, but 1,000, 2,000, 3,000, you know, across all of the things. But I'm not at a Super Bowl party right now. I'm doing the podcast because I know there are 1,000, 2,000, 3,000, 4,000 people that want to hear my thoughts on this. And I appreciate each and every one of them. I worked really hard. You know, nobody was jealous of me when I was staying in a bunk bed at the Super Bowl with just a, a, a very limited pass, no money, running around trying to, you know, do red carpets. Nobody was feeling sorry for me then. You know, nobody, you know, understands the work that we do. You know, nobody's flying me out. I'm not getting flewed out. It's all on my tab. I'm doing this for because this is what I want to do. That's a lot of jealousy, a lot of envy. And I probably shouldn't have yelled at him and stuff like that. But, you know, sometimes you got to do what you got to do. You know, it's, it's, and I got to let people understand that. That, yeah, I don't see you in the streets and just keep that same energy. And like I said, if there's anybody out there, you got a problem with me, you don't have to blast it on Twitter. I told him I'd shump with that. Like, dude, whatever. You can just hit me up. Like, why are you so mad? You know, you <laughs> the my shumper thing is funny because he's mad. Once again, I don't know if it's a testament to my popularity. Maybe it is. I don't know. But for some reason, people take stories that I had nothing to do with. But I'm the one that they are mad at. I'm the one that they're getting mad at. Like the Amon Shumpert situation, I didn't create that story. That's not a BSO story. That's not like I, in the middle of the night I woke up 
And I said, you know something? I think Amon Shumpert, and I did like all the research, and it said BSO exclusive. Amon Shumpert gets porn star pregnant. I didn't do all of that. It was the number one trending topic on social media. For like, th- here's the thing, I didn't even get to it first. I got to it like three hours later. It was already out there, like on the shade room and all this other stuff. It's out there in the public. And I'm like, you know something? It sounds fishy to me, but hey, the internet is, is trending. I, yeah, I, I didn't cause the trend. That'd be cool if I could cause the number one trend. I didn't. I wrote the story as not as fact. Because this is what people are talking about on social media. And all of a sudden, now I'm the bad guy. I'm the one that you want to tweet about. BSO going to give me my apology. Now, where were you thanking BSO when you got caught in the back of the locker room with some girl? And it was BSO that came out and said, it's not what you think. Everybody else is saying you were just you're being shady. Well, the BSO reported, though, you know, this is what it was. It was for this. It was for that. It wasn't what people thought. I waited for that. Where's my thanks for that? Where's my thanks when you see me in Vegas and say what up? You see me at the, the little Adidas soccer game in L.A. Yeah, you said what up? Where's the thanks for when your reality show came out and they're like, Hey, Rob, can you please promote and put up these, you know, previews of the reality show? Well, thanks for that. You know, when, when Tiana Taylor, you know, broke the thing with Kanye and they had me putting all of that stuff on it, where was my thanks for that? When your rap stuff came out and they asked me to promote your music, where my thanks for that? Now, all of a sudden, BSO got to apologize. And I told his people that. Like, look, man, this man know how to contact me. He know I wasn't the first one, but... I'm the one that blew it up. I'm the most popular one. I'm, B- I'm BSO. Gifted and a curse is just the kind of thing that happens. I get that. As part of the responsibility that I, you know, and it's not like it's, a, it's not like it's bothering me. It's not like I'm, there's any anxiety about it. It just comes with the territory. But I understand. That's the most important thing. I understand why it's like that. Because if BSO do it, then People are going to read it. People are going to be attached to it. And I'm careful about it. You, you don't see everything. You don't read everything that I know. <laughs> you know. Like, I know Dabo Sweeney voted for Trump. I know he's a Trump guy. I know that from people inside the Clemson, you know, organization, the university. I know it. He, he, he's happy to go. That's not saying he got he had anything against Obama. I was happy to go see Obama too, but I, I know he's a Trump guy. It's okay. They don't hear everything that I have to say. So the lesson here is: first off, most of you guys don't know shit about journalism. Let's point let's point that out first. Second off, uh, if MAGA is the one that is co-signing you, then just think about what side of history you want to be on. Number three, don't let a white girl dictate how you, you know, feel about black people. Probably not the smartest thing to do right now. And number four, I'm just going to keep winning. You know, everything is never perfect. But I'm out here working every single day. And 
yeah, you know, you'll get your, your fluff, but I'm also going to give you stuff that other people don't give you. I'm also going to talk about things that other people are not going to talk about. And that's the, that's the truth of the matter, and you know this. So that's the ugly truth about what happened with Clemson, Marcel, white girl, racist tweets, Dabo, MAGA, and other things. From now on, if anybody tweets me about it, I'm just going to promote the podcast. They can listen if they want. They got 45 minutes they can listen into about it. Just sit back with a, a nice cold beverage and listen to it. Well, we had a little time. I want to speak about uh, Anthony Davis, and then I get you my Super Bowl uh, picks. Add to get some water. Free water is the only kind of thing they got going on here uh, at the hotel. But anyway, um, here's the truth about Anthony Davis. Uh, the day that he signed with Rich Paul, he was out of there. Like, I know you probably want some more detailed stuff, but that's that's the, the fact of the matter. The day that he switched agents to, to Rich Paul, who's LeBron's agent and LeBron's boy, he was out of that. And people are kind of on the, I would say they're on the fence on how they feel about it. Um, I think the one thing you, you know is that superstar NBA athletes have way much more leverage than superstar NFL players. NFL players can be like, oh, I want to trade. <laughs> okay, we just franchise you for 17 years and you just don't want to, you don't play if you don't want to because of the, the way the free agency is set up in their favor. Some people say, hey, you know, he's, he's under contract for another year and a half, shine at the contract. Some people say he should have waited to the offseason. Um, some people say, hey, at least he gave him a heads up because he could have left, you know, could have bided his time and just left and they wouldn't got anything. So there's a lot of different ways you can look at it. The, the, just the truth of the matter is he's out of that. <laughs> and it has more to do with it has to do, you know, the Pelicans aren't good, but honestly, I read something from um my guy, he read, you probably heard him. He does, he's, he's a rock. He's not a, I don't know if he's a blogger or he's just a personality on Twitter, but man, Red, I think Red Nation blogger is his name. And he said something that got me thinking, to be honest with you. He was like, you know, he, everybody would agree that Anthony Davis is a better player than Damian Lillard. And that's not a knock on Damian Lillard. And so, you know, you look at the, the, the uh, uh, Pelicans roster and you look at the trailblazers roster and somehow some way the, the trailblazers are you know in the playoffs every year i mean they're not going far but they're in the playoffs and you know, the pelicans have have struggled with that little run last year but more or less they struggled the entire time that anthony davis is there i don't know if that really means anything i mean because anthony davis is a is a generational talent. When you talk about just like young talent right now in the NBA, um, him and, and, and Giannis really kind of stand out. Maybe and B really kind of stand out as this young talent that is a generational type of talent. But for whatever reason, it just wasn't working 
um, in in New Orleans. And I don't necessarily believe in that uh, smaller cities, uh, smaller market teams can't keep big stars because they have them for a pretty long period of time because of the way the collective bargaining agreement is set up. It's set up in a way that you pretty much more or less don't have to make this decision on if you're going to keep them or not for about six or seven you know, years. Sometimes it's a little accelerated, but most of the time it's about six or seven years. And the thing is, they put in this collective bargaining agreement like this incentive for the, the players to stay, you know, these super max contracts and everything. May not be the greatest thing of all time for the teams because you look at someone like John Wall who signed his extension immediately and, you know, hasn't, you know, not that John Wall's a bad player, but, you know, he's going to pay $40, $45 million. He's hurt all the time and the, and the Wizards, you know, don't really go too far, you know, with him. But, you know, Anthony Davis obviously is a different breed of thing, uh, a player. So what does all this have to do with LeBron and the Lakers and everything? It's, I mean, it's not collusion in a sense. It's not tampering. It's just you kind of could tell by the way LeBron was talking that he knew. I mean, it's his, it would be naive to think that if Rich Paul is, is representing Anthony Davis and LeBron, and he's been LeBron's lifelong friend, that LeBron doesn't have any insight <laughs> on what's happening. Now, the most important thing, and this is this is what I'm hearing. I do got a couple of sources. I got a couple of sources in the NBA. The Pelicans are really, you know, mulling over. <laughs> that's, I think that's a joke in there somewhere. Uh, you know, what they should do. Because they they're ideally they don't want to trade them to the Lakers. Ideally. And, uh, you know, people, it's like trading with the Patriots, you know, or the Yankees. It's like, you know, you, they, the other teams don't like to see the rich get richer. Now, granted, trading them to Boston, I mean, it's still the Celtics. Well, at least it's not in the, you know, the Western Conference. It's kind of the same thing with, you know, Kawhi. You know, they could have easily traded them to the Lakers. They're like, no, take your ass to Toronto. The reason that Rich Paul came out and talked about this now, you know, with, what is it, like nine days before trading deadline, eight or nine days, was because he wanted to put pressure on him and trade him to the Lakers before everybody could get in a bidding war in the offseason. Because that's what would happen in the offseason. Um, the only thing is, when you put that out there, they took him out of the, the intro video and it's the, it's still like, you know what, like 30 games left in the season, 25, 30 games. Like, that's just a, I don't, I'm starting to think that he doesn't play again this season. He's hurt right now. Um, but I wouldn't, I would imagine they possibly just shut him down. Which, you know, that's not cool if he's healthy, but how can you come back after, you know, basically telling your teammates you're trash? That's why I'm leaving, telling your, your squad and your, your trash and your management, your coach, you're going out in the middle of the season publicly. I mean, you're telling what Woj is not even doing the sources. He's doing the direct interview. So I think you're shut down. And I, I think they, they should wait. They should wait and see. Because if you wait, you can see, first off, 
where everybody's draft picks are going to be. Well, if the Knicks are drafting number one, if you if you're the Pelicans, right, and the Knicks are drafting number one, why wouldn't you trade? Anthony Davis to the Knicks, and then you could take Zion, and he could be the face, you know, your franchise. May not get some of the actual assets that you need back as far as players, but who knows? Maybe they get, yeah, maybe they give Chris Chris some Porzingis. You know, you, you got to wait it out and see. It's just no benefit of doing it right now. Um, just make them sit. It, I mean, whatever the Lakers are going to offer right now is going to be the exact same. In the offseason, nothing's going to change about Brandon Ingram, Kuzma, Alonzo, uh, Zubach, you know, where that draft pick is going to be. Nothing's going to change. So, you know, nothing that Kyle Kuzma is going to do in the, in the next month and a half is going to make it, it, it make it so much that the Lakers are going to be like, you know something? You can't have Kyle Kuzma. I mean, it's just not going to happen. Lonzo's hurt. He may not come back for three weeks. Pelicans should just wait it out. Uh, call Rich uh, Paul's bluff and just wait it out. And don't be surprised wherever he goes, though, somebody comes with him. Goes to the Lakers, maybe Clay Thompson comes. He goes to the Knicks, maybe KD comes. And, and if, you know, if he goes to the Celtics, maybe then Kyrie stays. You know, you just, you know, there's a lot of things, moving parts here, but I just think we need to wait until the end to see uh, what's happening, if you're the Pelicans. By the way, as soon as they named themselves the Pelicans, they had doomed themselves to this to this life. And the fact that they softened up and watered down Pierre the Pelican when he was the coolest, scariest mascot of all time. I can't say that I feel that sorry for him. Lastly, let's get you some truth about the Super Bowl. Um, I was at Roger Goodell's press conference. Uh, Roger Goodell talks like a politician. Um, so, yeah, I take everything that he says with a grain of salt. The uh, stuff about the Saints, even though I do think they should get over it, was it was a lot of double. It was, he was saying a lot of words. He wasn't really saying anything. Uh, he got a, a couple of really tough questions about Colin Kaepernick, and he basically brushed them aside. Uh, I thought it was interesting that while I was saying all this, I did think a, a, a little piece of truth popped out of his mouth. And that piece of truth was when he said that there's over 200 million NFL fans. And the majority of them respect and admire what they do. And when you think about that in terms of America, the majority of fans that you see at a football game, a basketball game, a baseball game, are white males. They're the majority of sports fans, especially at the game. So when you really think about it, if there really are, let's just say 200 million NFL fans, how many of those fans are MAGA? There's probably more MAGA fans than non-racist fans. I mean, you see it all the time when anytime you mention Colin Kaepernick. So he's probably telling the truth in the sense that a lot of these 
people that cheer athletes, that doesn't mean that they're good people. Just because they like what you do on a football field or a basketball court or a soccer field or a baseball field, that doesn't necessarily mean when the game is over that they're good people. So he's probably right in that regard. That it is a lot of MAGA people that admire what they do. Now, it's probably like a lot of MAGA Saints fans that don't. A lot of MAGA Patriots fans hate them. The aforementioned Boston Sports was able to get uh, into the media night. And like I said, I don't, I don't have really an opinion on that at all. I do know now that they're, they're very serious about looking um, at the credentials. I mean, they look in front and back and staring. It's almost like you have to... It's like it's it's more like you know when you go to the airport they give you they look at your license and then look at your your face and your ticket and everything. It takes like I don't know what thirty seconds if that. That's how they're doing it here, but like longer, like full minute, like relax. Jeez. Anyway, it's just you know a lot of pomp and circumstance and. The NFL is what it is. It's going to, it's still the most popular, still the most talked about, um, unless you're in L.A. And then they talk about Anthony Davis instead of the Super Bowl. But in the end, he's right. You know, we're all going to be watching. And no matter what, no matter if it's a bad call, if it's Colin Kaepernick, if it's deflate, gay, you know, all the things that's just happened, we still watch in very high numbers. Um, I'll probably, possibly, have some extra stuff for you in another podcast, but it probably won't be me talking a long time like I did uh, today. So it's probably the long, last long talking one. But I do want to give you a prediction because I predicted the Rams and the Patriots back in September. So, my new prediction is, well, my new prediction is the same prediction, which is Rams 33, Saints, not Saints, Patriots 30. Yeah, I think, I think that's what's going, it's what it's going to be. I, just think that I think the Rams are just a better team. And sometimes when you have a better team, you win. That's just how it works. And as long as they don't get caught up in the fact that they're at the Super Bowl, they should be, they should be fine. So uh, if you want to follow along for the rest of the week, obviously I do a lot of stuff on Twitter at BSO. Um, the Instagram is BSO TV, and the Facebook is Black Sports Online. We're doing a lot of Facebook stories, doing a lot of uh, IG uh, stories, a lot of videos of my comings and, and goings. Uh, things about this Thursday, things about to ramp up uh, a bit, a little less, maybe a little less of the, what I like to call the media side of it, a little more of the entertainment side of it for the rest of the week. There's NFL honors. Um, and then, of course, the game, which should be, you know, uh, interesting. So I appreciate you following along. appreciate you listening to the podcast. This has been The Ugly Truth with Robert Littell. And always remember that if you got a problem with me, not hard to find.